You are listening to Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga, a podcast designed to explore yoga philosophy and psychology, moving beyond the mat and into the world. How can we connect mindfulness and psychology and apply them to everyday life? My name is Jen, I'm your host, a world-traveling yoga instructor, mental health and business consultant, and the founder of Connect Home Yoga. Every week on the podcast, we will be exploring different topics and self-coaching techniques. We will also occasionally be welcoming brilliant guests from around the world to discuss with us. So join me as we wander the heart, the mind, and the world on this podcast. Wherever you are on your journey, I'll meet you there. those of you who are new, welcome. For those of you who are returning, welcome. Um, I'm really glad to be chatting to you guys today. It's a beautiful day and I have a quick little announcement. I guess you can call it that. We're flying out to Croatia on Sunday. This is so, so, so exciting. It felt like it was never going to come. It felt like it was never going to happen. But it has. It has happened. We booked our flights on Friday, I believe, Thursday or Friday, and we are now flying to Croatia on Sunday. So I was speaking last week, actually, about how uh, they were only allowing flights to Croatia from London um, on the 15th of June. But we actually found a couple before that. Uh, they just There was just a bit of a detour with them, but it was worth it and it's no problem. So we'll be leaving on Sunday and arriving on Sunday. So that's great. Um, that's all fun. That's all great. And I can't I can't even believe it. We've packed all our things. Uh, we have UPS coming tomorrow to pick up the one big box that we're shipping and the one big suitcase that we're shipping. And then after that, all we have is a small suitcase and a backpack, like a, you know, like a backpacking backpack, I suppose. And uh, and then we're off, you guys. It's oh, my God, I just I thought it was never going to happen. I can't stress that enough. And naturally, like we've all been dealing with this pandemic and this lockdown and this and that. But for those of you who don't know, Thomas and I were supposed to get married in Hawaii in May. So with that being pushed to next year and with all our other travels that surrounded that being cancelled and put off, um, it's just kind of incredible to think that, okay, but at least we still can move to Croatia and do those things. And it just feels kind of like, I don't know, you get into this weird, right, of course, everything's cancelled vibe. And I don't know, it's, you know, it's a pandemic and all that. And then to think, oh my God, we're flying. <laughs> we finally made it. We're doing it. So, I mean, I think there's a small part of me that until I'm at our, our house in Croatia, I'm not going to be fully convinced. I'm going to be like, no, <laughs> no, something's going to happen. But I don't want to put those energies out there. I don't want to think like that. Um, but I don't know why. Part of my head's just like, oh, nah, until I'm there, like, I'm going to be questioning the whole thing a little bit, just a little bit. Um... So that's that. But we're going, I'm so excited because after that, that's it for the foreseeable future. We're going to be working on the house, we have some renovations to do, and that's that's it for a while. Um, I don't even think we're going to be traveling that much after that, um, just because of this whole uh, pandemic thing. But we may still do uh, travel within Europe. We were thinking of doing a road trip at one point. Um, yeah, and different things like that. We are trying to come, well, to go to Canada for Christmas. That would be, that would be ideal. And then obviously next year we're having the whole thing again, the Hawaii thing, the celebration in Canada, the celebration in Slovakia, because that's where Thomas's family's from and where Thomas is from. Um, and so we're doing all of that next year, just to be safe. We just moved it over a year. Uh, so anything that happens in between then, you know, we're kind of going to play it by ear. But uh, yeah, it's very exciting, guys. I've, pff, my God, I, some of you might already know, like, obviously the connection that we have to Croatia. My mom is from Croatia, my mom's family. And uh, and we have a home there. And we used to go there growing up and, um, you know, in the summer. And it just, I just love that house. And I just love I just love Croatia and we live on a small island and it's oh it's just so beautiful and peaceful and perfect and uh, I, it's just it's so it's so great to be able to be there this year again and uh, yeah it's just great. So that's that. Um, I hope that you guys are doing well. I hope that wherever you are right now and however you are finding yourself as you tune in to this episode that you are well and that you are safe and happy and at least keeping your spirits up a little. Um, I'm curious to know, like, let me know, you know, reach out to me on Instagram and tell me, like, what's the weather like where you are? What's what's the vibe like? How's it going in your city, your country? Um, you know, what what plans do you have? Um, have you made any new plans yet? What's 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 happening? What's going on? Right. So that's that's always fun to know. But today, what we're going to be talking about is money mindset. So what kind of money mindset we can have or that we what kind of money mindset do we have? 
and how we can actually make it healthier or you know more helpful for us and how our money mindset can actually serve us and help us in our lives so I think money is a weird thing right because it's always this topic that either people talk about a lot or it's something that's splashed out or it's this really taboo topic like oh no we don't talk about money or we don't talk about that we don't talk about that and and I find that that makes it just makes this the the story of money very complicated right and I think also if you're in a dynamic or you were brought up in a dynamic where money was kind of power or it was an exchange of something and in return you had to be a certain way or money was a way to kind of own or control or whatever that really also creates a a weird story around money and I feel like anytime and this doesn't even have to do with whether or not you know someone grew up with you know um poor or rich it's kind of just the way money was so you can have rich families where there is that sort of idea around money right it's like control and power and then you can have poor families where that same thing still happened right but it's just for a different reason and um i think when that happens it does affect the way that we make money it affects the way that we receive money and it affects the way that we ask for money it affects the way that we spend our money and how we just attach to money overall and so the first thing I want to tackle is this idea of control and power when it comes to money this will often translate as like a childhood where you felt like you always owed someone or um, it was kind of like the currency that was used for everything. It was like a like a band-aid for everything or it was just like a one-size-fits-all solution. It was money. So it wasn't necessarily affection or love or open communication or respect or anything like that in the family. It was really like money was the big deal. Money was the, the point of conflict. Money was the solution. Money was the conversation. It was the argument. It was everything. Um, not everything all the time, but it was there was it was a big, big, big deal. And it was often this thing where you just wanted to separate yourself from that aspect of it because of the attachment you felt you had to it or what it meant to be part of a certain dynamic where money was that tie. Um, and that can be really complicated to to kind of get out of and to and to stay out of as an adult. Um, and then there are other money stories where it's just like money is an, a neutral energy exchange. Like it's just a thing that happens and flows and comes and goes and it just is not really a problem. You speak about it openly. Uh, sometimes you have more of it. Sometimes you have less of it. And, you know, it, it just is what it is. And uh, and then in a family where we talk about money, it's kind of like... Um, yeah, it's just not an issue. Like it's you never feel like you owe someone or like you owe your parents or uh, your parents never feel like you owe them. It's just kind of a thing. Like money's just this neutral, happy thing, I suppose. Neutral or happy, positive exchange. Uh, so there's that. And then, of course, there's, I mean, a lot of other money stories. The one I want to focus on today is particularly the one that has to do with, obviously, how you can be more mindful in the way that you spend money and in the way that you live your life in that respect, but also understanding how it affects how you run your business, okay? So now, if you're an entrepreneur, then you might not want to listen, if you're not an entrepreneur, rather, you might not want to listen to the the, you know, the second portion of this. But I think even so, like even if you're not, I think it is still important because it, it explains how you make investments in your business and how you see money as something that is not just that you receive, but that's something, but it's also something that you give in order to receive more. And it's a like an investment, but how to see investment in terms of your personal life and how to see investment in terms of your business. Those are kind of two different things. I think all these things are interesting, but naturally, like if you're not interested in the corporate side or in the business side, then perhaps, you know, at that point you can, uh, you know, you don't have to stay for that. I'm just giving you a heads up. <laughs> We're going to start with the personal life one, because at the end of the day, that's that's the basis for, for all of that, right? So when you think about your money mindset and you think about money in general, um, and we're also going to tie this into mindful living. So as you know, or maybe you don't know, I talk a lot about mindful living, how to simplify your life, how to um, how to be mindful of the things that you possess. Like how, what, why do you consume the things that you consume? What do you consume? Uh, how to keep things simple and keep your environment clean kind of and like decluttered so that it makes sense to you. And so that it creates an environment that 
has space right so like your environment should hold space for you the same way that you would want to hold space for someone else right so if you're holding space for someone and they're and you're all you know kind of messed up or something or you're in a headspace that's completely just not ready to hold space for someone or even for yourself you can't possibly hold space properly right that's why to be able to hold space it requires some sort of like healing process for yourself there has to be something that happens here as in order to have a handle on the space that you're holding right you have to first create that space the only way you can create that space is to declutter right so that's a really really important thing to do even for your physical environment so it's not just your mind or your heart and it's really for your physical environment as well and i'd say that all of that goes hand in hand you know i think that a a, a decluttered environment makes room for a decluttered heart and a decluttered mind and vice versa and they kind of work together beautifully um with this in mind, when you're thinking about money, you kind of have to do the same thing. Because money could be like a physical thing and it's also a mental and emotional thing, right? So when you think about your money and what you spend your money on, one of the things I like to do is see where my money is going. Okay, so before I even think of what I'm making or what's going on, I like to think of where it's going. So for example, if I'm thinking about monthly expenses. Okay, then I know what my monthly expenses are. Say rent, uh, bills, all that stuff. We'll put it for that, like living expenses. Then I'll look at other things. Maybe you have a yoga studio membership, or maybe you have a gym membership, or maybe you have um, like a public transit mem- uh, card, like a, you know, a bus pass or a train pass, you know. Maybe you have a uh, I don't know, another kind of hobby membership or just another hobby that you spend a lot of money on in the month, okay? So you're going to put all of that together as um, kind of like extras. Like in theory, it's not necessarily a living expense. It's kind of, yes, it helps you live and it helps you be happier, but it's sort of like in the extra. And then you'd have miscellaneous things like, and I always see this not because food is not a living expense, but I always see it as something separate because it, it can vary so much and you can include like outings and this and that in it. So it, it becomes something in its, in its own and just takes on a life of its own and often tends to be where people spend a lot of their money. And I'll always put it with like clothes as well, because it makes us feel like we're, well, we need these clothes. We need, you know, and there is that sort of uh, association with clothing that it is survival and we have a lot of attachment to clothing. So we'll put that as well into the same category. So to break it down into three main categories today, we're going to have the the bills that you know. So like, let's say electricity, internet, uh, you can even put your phone in there if you want, like things that stay pretty much the same all the time, but that are big, right? Things that are really, they go without saying like, yes, you have a phone. Yes, you have internet. Yes, you have an apartment or a house or whatever mortgage you put that in there. Like that would be for that. Then you have another one where it's like the smaller sort of things membership bus pass like gym membership honestly if you feel more comfortable you can put your phone in there as well whatever and then the last one is like not so much monthly payments but rather things that you can kind of pay for whenever you want so food clothing outings um you know anything anything else like that anything for your for your pets or anything like that as you look at all of that you start to think like okay Within each category, how can I simplify all of these things? For example, I really don't like monthly memberships. I really, 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 really don't like monthly payments. <laughs> I just don't. And there are some that I'm perfectly okay with with having, like, for example, uh, rent or eventually, you know, mortgage. Um, I'm fine with that because that's kind of just like part of life in my head, right? Same with bills. Um, even internet, that's all good. My phone, to be honest, it's like touch and go, but it's fine. And I use it a lot for work, obviously. Like I work remotely, so my phone and my computer are pretty much like non-negotiables at this point. So that's fine. And uh, and so we, I keep that into that category. Then when I think of monthly memberships, I mean, I just don't like them. And I have a couple, like I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I have Netflix and Spotify, like there's, you know, it's fine. And an iTunes one for iCloud and um, my VPN and things like that. Um, just because I, I don't know, I don't always do the whole yearly subscription thing. I just, I do it per month. Maybe I should do the yearly subscription thing. I'm thinking of maybe switching to that and making it simpler for myself, but I just, I have not yet. Um, and then for my website, I do that every year or every couple of years, depending on what it is. But so like hosting, domain name, all of that stuff. But that I tend to really just do in one lump sum every time I have to. As in like every time it's time to do that, I just do it. 
Um, but yeah, the monthly stuff, oh, I just like keeping it on the, on the, on the down low. Like I just like to keep everything really simple because I also don't like that pressure of having to use a membership. It's just so unnecessary. And I find one of the biggest killers in someone's budget are unused memberships. Like people don't realize the things that they sign up for and then they just never use them. Okay, and you might think like, oh, it's just five pounds a month or it's just five dollars a month or that's just seven dollars a month and that's just ten dollars a month. And it's like, yes, but when you put all of these together, you could be doing like a hundred dollars a month for no reason. You're not even using these things. You just don't want to stop or you forgot to stop or you, you know, you, you, you don't want to go through the hassle of calling or doing whatever. Nowadays, it's so easy to cancel your membership for most things. It should be no issue to just say, OK, let me do the inventory of my monthly memberships and see what I'm using and what I'm not using. OK, and to that to that end, when you're doing this kind of thing with memberships, there's always that sense of like, yes, but it was nice to be part of something. Even though I wasn't always using it, <laughs> it felt nice to know that it was there if I wanted it or that, you know, that's fine. But if you've not used this membership in like two to three months, stop it, cancel it. Because always know that you paying is not what's guaranteeing that it's going to be there all the time. What guarantees that is the fact that it's there. <laughs> They're not going to suddenly close down because you canceled your membership. So don't think that because you're paying, oh, that's the security that you get being part of something. It's like, yes, but if you've not used it in two to three months, it's money out the window. And it doesn't matter if $10 is not a lot or $20 is not a lot. At the end of the day, it's like one step closer to just being a bit more mindful about what we're spending. So I think it's worth considering at the very least. So I would cut that out, right? Or like, that's what I do. I would cut out something that I've not used in a little bit and been like, you know what, if I really need it again one day, where I really feel like, okay, no, I'm ready, I want it, just sign right back up. It takes two minutes and you're good to go. That's it, no problem. And then you use it, right? So that's fine. Um, and then with the other things, the things that vary more, where it's not like a, a fixed price every month or every two weeks or whatever, it's like food, clothing, shopping, any outings, anything like that. So I'm not a big shopper at all, actually. Like I, I tend to keep some clothes for just ages and ages and ages. And I just figure like, why would I throw it out if it's fine? Like I just tend to keep clothes for a really long time. The thing with that, though, is that over time I have actually accumulated a lot of clothing. And uh, when we were packing this week, I actually was like, wow, like, when did I accumulate all of this stuff? And we were going through it. I'm thinking, oh, my God, some of this stuff is like 10 plus years old. Like I had some things I had been there since my goodness, especially like pajamas or something since I mean, honestly, a decade and a half, you guys, it was so old. I'm like, okay, I think it's time <laughs> to part with this and just really kind of pare down and simplify everything. And um, and I tend to overlook clothing sometimes because they're just there. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a bit, it's a bit much now. Like, let's, let's just, let's just pare down. And of course, all of this is relative. Like to some people, I really don't have a lot of things. To other people, I might have a lot of things. Like it, it really depends uh, on the person and on each situation. But personally, I really like to keep things to a minimum. Like I said, Thomas and I have one big box and one big suitcase. The suitcase is probably like 20 kilos and the box is probably 50 kilos. And then we have a backpack, which is my god I don't know 15 kilos and then a small suitcase maybe 10 kilos so there's like that's all our stuff okay and uh, granted like we we didn't keep furniture obviously but uh we, we like to just keep things really simple and uh and I think that, that that's really important as well and I talked about this on on how to declutter and be mindful uh during COVID-19 and how it's a good time to really pare down so you can listen to that episode it's a few episodes ago but one of the things I talked about that I think is really important is this attachment to money in that everything around us once was once was associated to our money right like we we used money to buy it and yes over time you don't realize that anymore like you don't remember how much it cost perhaps or you don't really care because you know money comes and goes a lot of time has passed now you just bought that but what ends up happening is that it's like static exchange of energy it's like it's just static and what ends up happening when you're not using an object or using something that you purchased it becomes this kind of stagnant energy and it just festers a little and then it just doesn't feel good and then that's what happens when you accumulate and you you create so much clutter that then there's all this stagnant energy because it's like passive stuff it's not really you're not using it it's not there it's not even serving you it's literally just there picking up dust 
And that emotionally is just festering and collecting like emotional and mental dust. It's just not supposed to be there anymore. In these situations, it's time to kind of Mary Kondo the whole thing and just see what sparks joy and what doesn't spark joy. Okay. I love, love, love this woman. I love Mary Kondo. And she, I mean, I, I, to be frank, I've not even read her book or watched that much of the show on Netflix, but I understand enough of her principles and I've heard enough about them from friends that I just think she's brilliant. And every time she posts on Instagram, I'm just like, yes, oh my God, just looking at your pictures, I feel so much more zen. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's great. But uh, anyway, so she, so this whole idea of sparking joy or whatever, the way that translated to my life was that I was kind of like, right, okay, if that's just picking up, if that's just collecting dust, it's a stagnant energy. So what was initially an exchange of energy, so I paid money for this thing that brought me joy or for this thing that I needed that solved a problem, whatever, that exchange of energy is no longer. Now it's just stagnant and it, there's no room for something else. There's no, there's no space being created for something else, for a new space I'm trying to hold for myself. Because as we grow, our space around us changes. Our environment, like our physical environment, our mental environment, our emotional environment, all those things change. But if too many things stay there that are not serving us anymore or are not sparking joy, quote unquote, <laughs> then it's just stagnant. And it's just weighing us down and collect and it's just becoming gunk. And that's why it's so important to declutter because what you think you're attached to and what you think you need is actually just keeping parts of you where you're not trying to be anymore. Does that make sense? Like you're trying to move to say another place or another point in your, in your life, but then parts of you are just kind of stuck in that time and you don't even know why it's just habit. It's not even a choice at this point. It's just, well, no, but that's always been there. But I'm telling you, once you really pare down and you really separate and detach from the things that you thought you were attached to, that you thought were serving you, but actually were not, that's when you create space. That's when you can move on. That's when you can do something different for yourself, right? That's when you can do, that's when you can just start moving on, basically, and, and creating a different kind of space that will serve you more. And then you make room for all kinds of other things. And by that, I don't mean physical objects. I mean space for for growth on the inside right like your mind your heart all of that stuff and i find that simplicity and minimalism or the idea of trying to adopt more of these minimalist minimalist practices and mindful practices really help us focus on the fact that not everything has to be derived like not all happiness or emotion has to be derived from physical objects there's so much to experience in life there's so much to be done and felt everything else is kind of a distraction so I truly believe that if we kind of select carefully what we buy and what we let into our environment and what kind of energy exchange we're having with our money, not only will we be more mindful when we're spending money, which I think is the most important thing to having a healthy relationship with your money, but we're also going to have a healthy relationship with our surroundings and with ourselves because we know that we're really selective about what we let into our lives. So just the way you're selective about who you let into your life and what kind of relationships you want and what kind of dynamics you want to be a part of, it's the same thing with the, with the dynamics you want to have with the objects in your life. I truly, truly believe that. And ever since I, I started this a few years ago, to be honest, to really, really simplify and pare down. And it's done, it's done wonders for me. And every now and then I have to like repair down because you go through this phase where you're kind of like, oh, I need this and I need that, or I'm going to get this now and then that. And that happens, right? And then you kind of realize all over again, well, no, no, there's more to this. Like, I don't want to go back there again. Like, I want to be mindful about what I let in. And of course, we go through these different phases, especially when we move. I remember when I moved to England, I sort of was like so minimalist, of course, because I had just been around the world for a few months with my backpack. And so when I got to the UK, I was just like, okay, well, it's just me and my backpack. <laughs> okay. And then that was that, right? But then as I settled down, I was more like, oh, all my different comforts, let's bring them from Canada. And so I did that, you know? And then I pared down again because I was like, wait, but I don't actually need this. Like, why am I going back when there's this whole future waiting for me in front of me that I can create, that I can build? But in order to do that, I need space. I need space, space, space so I can hold space for myself. Create space to hold space. That's what I always, always say. So that applies to your mind, your heart and your physical environment. Now, when it comes to money, that's the most important thing is really paying attention to what you're spending your money on and why you're spending your money on that thing. Yeah. Understanding the exchange that it's going to, that, that's going to exist. 
Okay. This is not to say that you're never going to make a stupid purchase or a purchase that doesn't serve you or a purchase that you didn't necessarily need to make. I mean, I think we all buy things we don't need to buy. Like sometimes when we go and have drinks, like do we need the alcohol? No. Will we die without it? No. <laughs> like, Do we need, you know, to, to have that meal that day at that place? No. Will we want to? And that's okay as well. But then when it comes to wants and things like that, just understand, just be mindful of the interaction that will be, okay? Be mindful of the interaction that takes place when you decide, I'm going to spend 100 pounds on drinks, or I'm going to spend 200 pounds on drinks, or I'm going to spend 200 pounds on this meal. Just just understand what that means and be okay with it, okay? Come to terms with it. Be like, yes, I'm spending 200 pounds or $200, whatever you want, okay, on this meal, and I'm cool with it. And why is it so important to be okay with these interactions? Is because if you're not, that's when you're going to be at odds with money. And that's where you're going to when you're going to be at odds with your life and with yourself. When you do things that do not honor you, that's when you start to kind of not hate yourself, but resent yourself. It's when you start to have issues. You start to resent certain people, certain things, certain places, because they remind you of that time you dishonored yourself. So it's the same thing when you're with someone. Let's say you engage into a, you know, you engage in a relationship with someone and then afterwards you think, oh God, I should never have done that. I totally hate myself. That was the worst. Let's say that happens. Okay, these things happen. It's fine. There's nothing to beat yourself over the head about. But these things happen and we feel that way because we knew better or now we know better and, you know, all of that stuff. But then as we grow older, we're able to kind of call this ahead of time and we're less prone to give in to the temptation. We're less prone to be like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then the next day be like, oh God, I can't believe this happened and so on and so forth. The most important thing to do always, always, always is try to factor in the consequences of what your what of, of your actions essentially and this takes time it takes maturity and it takes knowing that always pushing the envelope or pushing boundaries is not always going to bring you what you want what you are looking for right i feel like when we're younger we're kind of like oh i feel like this might not be good or there are voices in our head saying no 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 you shouldn't do that but we do it anyway because that's what we're supposed to do when we're younger we just we just do things even when we know they might not be right it's almost like we need to know that we were right about it not being the right thing, right? That's fine, okay? And I was like that as well. Like, I always like to really make sure I know something before I knew it. I'm always like, yes, yes, I'm gonna, I need to know. But I've also grown up and realized, but now I know, therefore I can apply this knowledge to the different things in my life. So I have a really good, like, con- cause-consequence radar, right? Like, I just almost sometimes too much, like I'll worry a bit too much sometimes because I'm a, I'm just afraid that it's not going to go well. But at the same time, it's made me quite like successful in a way because I, I just, I know how to calculate my risks and calculate my moves. And so I think that's really important to learn as well. But it's only because I've smacked my face on the pavement way too many times, right? <laughs> so that's happened too. And many, many moments of like, oh, Jen, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why am I like this? Like many moments of those as well. And then I've learned like, okay, if I'm going to make a decision, I need to be able to be happy with whatever outcome. Like at some point, in some way, I will have to be okay with what happens maybe not ha- if i'm lucky i'll be happy if i'm unlucky i'm going to have to be okay with that and not so much like way after but kind of like straight away to an extent at the very least right and that's what you kind of hope for and so every time i've made a decision where the next day i was like oh my god that was that was not that was not good that was, that was not good i've always just been like okay but but we knew this we knew that it might not be the best thing and here we are And I just find that being open with myself about it and not denying it and not avoiding it was the best way to be okay with it because I just sort of came to terms with it. It was half the healing process for that particular moment. It was just like, yep, well, there we are. And then in time, it really kind of flattens out. It irons out and everything's okay. But I would really, really recommend that you get into contact with your story get into contact with your money with your interactions with the consequences or the possible consequences of your actions so when you're about to order that takeaway food or you're about to order those drinks or you're about to plan an outing or plan or whatever just think what's the worst case scenario what's the worst thing i might feel or the worst thing that might happen if i go through with this and then think okay where am i now 
with respect to my worst case scenario. And then you can kind of help gauge what decision you should make. So for example, the worst case scenario is that I'm going to feel all regretful that I spent so much money and I'm not going to feel good about it because it's, I don't know if it's going to have been worth it or maybe it's going to have been worth it, but I'm still going to feel like crap because I just spent all that money I didn't need to spend and I'm going to feel like crap and that's the worst case scenario. Okay, so if that's your worst case scenario, what are you feeling right now? You're already kind of feeling like you might not be happy with your purchase or with your decision. You already feel like a bit crummy about it, probably because you've done it before. You know the feeling. It's happened before. So you're kind of already in your worst case scenario, kind of. At this point, it's just a decision about whether or not you're okay doing it again and whether or not you want it to be a worst case scenario. Like, you can choose. Like, is that really the worst case scenario? Is you being a bit upset that you spent all that money really the worst case scenario? And if so, maybe just don't spend the money then. Wait until you feel more comfortable spending the money. Or be like, right, this is a lot of money, but I obviously want to do this thing, so let me put myself in a position where I just accept that I'm going to be spending this money and I'm okay with that because I want this thing or I want to have this weekend away with my friends or whatever it is that you want. Just be okay with it. I think the biggest, biggest problem, I don't know why I said biggest twice, but the, <laughs> the biggest problem is not coming to terms with the decisions that we make, especially around money. We just don't look at our bank accounts, right? Like we just don't check our 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 bank statements or anything going on we just assume whatever money we have on our visa or in our debit or whatever and we spend 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 and then almost as like a rebellion or as a means to control what we no longer have control over because we're avoiding it we overspend and then we find oh our car got declined or oh this happened or then you finally look at your statement and you're like oh crap that didn't go to plan at all like that really didn't work out nicely i just spent so much more money than i otherwise would have and that's not fun for anyone. And I've been there. I've totally been there. My God, I remember I used to just be so stressed out sometimes when I was younger and when I was in uni and I'd go travel and I'd just be like, no, I can do this. Like, I can, I can totally do this. It's it's fine. Like, I, I, you know, and I just wasn't always careful and I would sometimes overspend and everything was fine in the end. But I remember thinking, like, why did I do this? Had I just been honest with myself or just more careful? I would have actually enjoyed myself more and it would have gone like I, I would have been a lot less stressed in the process. But I so was trying to prove to myself that I got this, quote unquote, and that everything was fine, that I, I kind of dishonored myself a little bit. And the fact that it was OK in the end was great. Like it, I didn't sound like I did any permanent damage or anything like that. there. Um, and I always make sure that that doesn't happen. You know, I'm always quite careful about that. But it still could have been more pleasant had I just come to terms with certain things or just being more patient with myself and and more mindful frankly and uh, and that's why I learned a lot of these lessons and when I was traveling like in 2017 I traveled for a few months and there were a lot of mishaps that happened I mean where I had to spend some money and then spend money there and spend money there in hindsight I remember in hindsight I I really feel like there were times where I could have made a difference I could have decided to be a little bit more mindful of the way that I was spending money. I could have also probably avoided some of the mistakes that happened. I just so, I, I was just so like, like wanting to be free and wanting to do whatever, not worry about anything that I sort of screwed myself a little bit, right? And I had been so diligent when I was planning the whole thing. I was so, so diligent and I, I planned it out brilliantly. But every time something would go wrong or things changed, I would do what I had to do, of course, and I was, you know, I, I had, I got done what needed to get done, but I, I don't think I always, for the couple of mishaps that happened, I don't think that each time I was actually mindful. I think that I could have done it better. I think that I could have maybe been a bit more careful. I could have been a little bit less reckless and I could have been a little bit less, oh, F it, like just that's fine. Let's, let's just pay for that or like, well, let's just do that. Let's just, oh, whatever to hell with it. You know, I could have been a bit more, a bit more uh, careful, essentially. And that's when I learned that even when the going gets tough and even when you kind of feel like giving up or being like, oh, F it, like this is so expensive anyway, like it doesn't matter. It really, really does matter. Everything matters. You should never throw anything away in the end, as in, you know, just throw out, throw away the game or throw away the, the, the trip or throw away the, you know, you should always put yourself in a position where you can really enjoy it to the fullest. And that's maybe one regret I have about those travels is that by the end, I, 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 I was quite stressed. I mean, granted, I was moving to England as well after. And I think that the whole thing being in one shot was very ambitious. So in my defense, 
well, not really, but <laughs> the way I planned it was kind of intense. And so in my defense as a traveler, I had a whole set of different things I was focusing focusing on as well. Um, but nevertheless, I do think I could have been a bit more uh, mindful. And I do think that if I had been more conscious of the exchange or of the relationship I had with my money at that time, there are moments where I would have been a lot less stressed. And in the end, you know, it was all fine and swell and everything was great. And I ended up in Fiji at the end. Well, that was the plan. And I was in Fiji and it's kind of hard to be stressed out in Fiji, let's be honest. It was beautiful and I had a great, great, great time. Uh, and then I went to Canada for Christmas and then I went to the UK and I started working immediately. And in a few weeks, as money started coming in and I got my account set up and all of that, everything was okay. I survived. <laughs> I was fine. And here I am today to tell the story. So it's okay. But I have learned from these moments. And I have learned that being really careful and just mindful. I, I know I keep repeating the same thing, but it's like, it's not as complicated as how much money you have. It's really, really as simple as how you spend the money that you have. That's it. It's really that simple. So I don't really care. Like when I when we talk about these things, me, my friends, or me and Thomas, my fiance, or even when I'm talking about it with clients, I'm not concerned with how much money you have. And neither should you be really. You should just be concerned about how you spend the money that you have. Okay, because you're not as rich as the money you have. You're as rich as the money you save. Okay. And you're as rich as the you're as rich as the way you spend your money. Yeah? So if someone is super, super wealthy, but in massive amounts of debt, that to me is not rich. That does not make me wish, well, not that I ever wish I was someone else, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to look at that and be like, oh yeah, I wish I had that just because on the outside it looks wealthy. No, I'm going to be like, wow, the, the amount of debt you have must be astonishing, you know, as in if, if they are in debt, right? Let's pretend that we know that this person's in debt. I don't care if they have two boats. They're in debt and that's stressful. That's not fun. And I feel for them for that. It's not fun at all. I would rather be poor, but have no debt. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I think debt is the worst thing. And I've been poor. I'm telling you, debt is the worst thing, I think. Because first of all, I, I've never been in debt, to be honest. But I do understand that idea of like not having enough money. And I can only imagine that if on top of doing the everyday grind you have like 15k in debt or whatever like that would be really stressful for me I don't know if I could even handle that frankly but I know that people who are in those situations you know they, they find a way or they they're just like they've come to terms with it and I think the healthiest thing with debt is just to come to terms with the fact that that's your debt this is part of your life I feel like if you just see it as debt it's just going to be the most stressful thing in the world, right? But if you have a handle on it and you're like, no, this is just one of my expenses, then it's less it's less daunting, right? So, for example, when I, when I think of people who, like if I know a really rich family, let's say, but, you know, you find out that they have all this debt. Sometimes it's even like watching it on the television, right? Like that's actually kind of what I'm referring to. You'll watch these shows on the television where it's like these billion, like uh, these billionaires, but suddenly they have all this debt or they lose all their money. Like, I think we can all agree that that is very stressful. And you might not know it on the outside sometimes seeing them in the streets, but they're going through all of that internal struggle. And that's incredibly difficult. And the amount of difficulty that that is is just overwhelming for someone like me because I'm not a billionaire and I'm not a millionaire. So that is just incredible to me. Um, but similarly, when I look at someone with a with a kind of conceivable amount of debt, as in like something I can see, my, see as like a normal person debt, if that makes any sense, that too can be daunting. But the way I like to help people in those situations is by saying, okay, if you are in a position where you have that debt, don't just think to yourself like, ugh, I have all this debt, like F my life. No, if you have that debt for whatever reason, okay, you just have to see it as an expense now. Like I always, I always like to see it that way. Like for example, when I had maxed out my visa, I initially was thinking, oh my God, I have debt. Look at all this debt. Oh my God. And I was freaking out. But then I thought to myself, I can either see it like that and see it as something that's sucking out my energy and sucking out my money, or I can see it as an expense. I can see it as something that I'm going to be investing my effort and my money into so that I can be at peace in the end. 
that's how I choose to see it. I feel like it's just been the most helpful thing to look at it like that. When I ha- when I got my car, actually, that technically was a debt because I was financing my car, okay? Which, I mean, in hindsight, I don't even know why I was doing that. But anyway, I was. So that technically was a debt, right? But I didn't see it like that because I gained a car and I was investing in my car and investing in what I needed to run my business. So it, it just didn't seem like a debt to me. That's when I realized, why can't other debts be like that? As in, like, why can't the more, like, the, 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 well, the different kinds of debt be like that? Now, I understand that sometimes they're a lot more intense than that, and they're a lot more severe, and I understand that. But for the most part, when it's not a, like a, because of substance abuse or gambling or, you know, all of that stuff, and it's maybe not as detrimental and as serious, maybe it's like max out credit cards because of shopping or traveling or going out or whatever, like, that's a bit more manageable in a way, Right we can start to understand that maybe instead of seeing it as money that's sapping your energy and your finances, you can see it as something that's like, okay, I'm doing this and my actions are sapping my energy and my finances, not money or things or that I'm not able to provide for myself. Does that make sense? I I think once we start seeing it less like, oh, I need to make more money and oh, my life sucks and oh, I'm so poor, I can't afford anything. Once we switch from that dialogue to, okay, I'm, some of my actions are causing me to lose faith in myself and to lose faith in the fact that I can provide for myself and that I can give myself the life that I want. Some of my actions are not honoring that promise I've made to myself. And so I need to start taking actions that are going to honor that promise I make to myself. So I'm no longer going to spend things just because I spend money on things just because I can. I'm no longer going to put myself in positions where I feel like, I'm losing or that I'm being like I'm being sucked dry or that I'm dishonoring myself. I'm going to take action and put my money toward things that are going to make me feel better. And right now, what's going to make me feel better is paying off this debt. So I'm going to spend my money on paying off this debt so that I can feel better in the long run. And maybe even initially, depending on, you know, how you feel about (laughs) about how you feel where you're at with that dialogue. But and that will immensely that would be tremendously helpful for you. And it makes an immense difference because then you're no longer seeing it as loss, but you're seeing it as gain. You're seeing it as an investment. And when you think when you're seeing something as an investment, then you feel like there's actually no loss because it's going to be this beautiful exchange that will bring more to you than anything you could have possibly given. And that's when the exchange is healthy. And that's when your money story is healthy. So all of this to say that understanding that your actions are dishonoring the promise that you've made to yourself to live a happy, comfortable life, those actions need to go, okay? And they need to be replaced by actions that are helping you honor that promise to yourself. It's as simple as that. It's not easy, but it is that simple. Like, just start with that principle, yeah? And then when you think of what actions will honor the promise you made to yourself, maybe it's not spending money on certain things. Maybe it's paying off your credit card debt and not letting it fester and accumulate, you know, and get worse. Maybe it is just actually investing in that debt. Invest in that debt. And it might sound like, oh, I'm just, it's just money out the drain, like down the drain. I'm just spending money I'm never even going to be able to use because it's just going to paying something. It's like, yes, but you already benefited from the money that you're paying off now. You got to do whatever it is that you wanted to do. The fact that it doesn't feel good now is because when you were doing it, you weren't honoring yourself. So now you're going to pay it. You're going to honor yourself. You're going to make yourself better, make yourself feel better by paying off the debt. And then the next time you want to go shopping, you want to go out, you want to go travel, I promise you, you're going to be a lot more mindful of it and you're going to actually be able to enjoy it. And then the decision will actually be one that honors you because it makes you feel good. And that's the return on investment you're getting by paying off your debt holding yourself accountable for maybe, you know, the less than desirable choices you made. And that's how you're going to feel better in the long term. And that's immeasurable. That is priceless. That that feeling you're going to get for honoring yourself like that, okay, even if it's not an instant gratification type thing, is so, so worth it. It really is worth it. And then you'll keep having this healthy relationship with your money and you're not going to want to lose that healthy relationship with your money. And you're going to want to hold yourself accountable and really be there and show up for yourself and your money, frankly, and your money shows up for you in that same way. So that's really, really important to keep in mind when you want to develop a healthy money story. Okay, so that's more on the personal level. But now, 
that we've talked about investment, I thought it would be a great segue to talking about business and money. So when we're running our businesses, especially when we're starting out, most of us anyway, start out with not much to our name (laughs) and not much going for us, right? We kind of start a little bit low on funds sometimes. And uh, I have found that when that happened to me, it was almost like the best way because I wasn't lazy. I didn't cut corners. I just made sure that with with whatever I had, I did the best that I could. I did the absolute best that I could because I didn't want to mess up. I just couldn't really afford to mess up. So I had to do my very, very best and I had to do it on my own. So the things that happened when I started my business low on, on low, like low on funds, essentially, is that I couldn't hire, I couldn't outsource in any way, I couldn't get any fancy softwares, I couldn't pay for any ads, I couldn't do any of those things, I couldn't, you know, I, I just, it, it just, it really had to be the most basic thing. It had to start really, really simple. And more than starting really simple, which, as you can tell, is really a way that I live my life, simplicity, minimalism kind of, right? Just nice and simple, nice and easy. The way, I mean, aside from all of the benefits from that, right? Because then it's easier to manage. There's also the fact that I had to solve my own problems. Because I couldn't outreach, uh, outsource, and I couldn't hire or do any of those things, I had to solve my own problems, come up with my own solutions, and then I also realized what I wanted in my business and what I didn't want in my business. I, I was able to cut out all the noise because I had to. I had to cut out all the noise in order to create something effective, manageable, and profitable. So that allowed me to do that without distraction. Sometimes I feel like when we have too much leeway or we have too, many, too much money to play around with in our business, we can become reckless. I'm not saying always. I'm not saying for sure. I'm just saying often it can happen that we get a bit frisky with our money (laughs) and then we're not as mindful in the way that we start it and manage it and then we can kind of be a bit reckless you know we can hire and not necessarily be fully confident in the person or we don't really know exactly what we hired for but we figure it's fine we'll figure it out that in a way is sometimes money out the out the window um I really believe that there should be a strategy to what we do in a business and when things don't work out properly it's just because you need to tweak the strategy and not because there was no strategy in place to begin with um but that's a that's an episode for another time Um, So I always just like to make sure that I'm not throwing money down the drain and that I'm actually making the right decisions so that whatever happens after, I'm kind of like, right, well, we knew that that might happen. We knew that was a potential consequence. Now we tweak, right? So I've always found that. But being low on funds has actually helped. Like, it actually helped at the beginning because I was just like, well... It's just me and this, and I have to make it work somehow, so, you know? And then as you become more comfortable in your business, you're willing to make more investments in it because you start to trust yourself, first of all, that you know what you're doing because you've had to rely on yourself. And then also, you want to make sure that you don't lose all the work that you've done. You've, you've worked really, really hard, and this obviously applies to whether or not you had a lot of money to begin with, but you've worked really, really hard. You don't want to take any risks, and it took you a long time to have enough spare cash or spare you know, profit in your business to actually hire or do different things. And you really just don't want to take it for granted and mess it up, right? So, and that's fair enough. And then you start making the different decisions and then you might actually hire just to make sure that your ad budget, for example, gets put to good use, right? That's a really smart investment if you're thinking, okay, well, I have one shot, for example. I have one shot at this ad thing. To maximize it, I might spend even a little bit more, hire an expert and make sure that my ads really, you know, pay off. That, for example, is a really smart decision. Well, it might be a smart decision in your in your business because it's calculated. And even though it might be a bit more than you planned or whatever, you're kind of thinking, okay, let's do it this way. But you can bet your, your bottom dollar that if you are doing that, you're probably going to get the best expert you possibly can, right? Because you're thinking, all right, this is this is it now, right? Or uh, or whatever it might be. So you're definitely a lot more careful. And I've used, I found the same thing when I was hiring. It was just like, okay, I really don't want to mess this up. And like, yes, it's trial and error. And yes, things happen and whatever. But I really want to make sure that whatever I do... I'm really putting my best foot forward and I'm getting someone who is going to understand me and understand my business goals and we can get there together and I'm not going to look back and think, oh my God, that was an absolute disaster. Like That is my biggest fear with hiring is just that it's going to become an absolute shit show. So luckily that's not happened, but I always feel like being really calculated and just remembering how important all these things are to me and just really being careful with my money helps me really even attract 
the right people, it seems. Um, and when I when I think of that kind of investment, my focus is really forward. I try not to think so much of like what might happen or what could go wrong because that kind of comes naturally to me anyway. <laughs> I really try to focus on what the return on investment will be and I try to think forward. It's kind of like when you're playing football or soccer, you don't look at your foot to kick. You look at where you want to kick in order to kick and aim. So I try to do the same thing in life and in my business. I try to think, okay, I can right now look at the ball and my foot and obsess over this new employee or my relationship with them or what I want or I can trust in the fact that I have gained enough skill and enough practice that I know what I'm doing and that this is it. I'm doing my best right now with what I've got and I'm just going to look ahead, aim and shoot. That's it. You know, it's all I can do. Um, but obviously the more confident you are in your skill and in your practice, the more confident you're going to be when you aim and kick. And frankly, it'll probably make you aim better, um, I believe. So I always try to do that same thing in my business. Now, it's, of course, it's a lot scarier than just kicking a ball. I get that. But again, hiring is probably an episode for another time. But I just try to do the same thing. And it's the same when I'm getting any softwares or like um, uh, content planners. I try to keep things free as long as I can. <laughs> like, I know it sounds weird, but I just try to keep it free for as long as I can. If it says that I can do 30 pictures a month free and I can schedule them, auto post and all of that stuff, I'm like, sure, let's do it. And I'm just really careful when I create my content. I create all my content. So then I'm like, right. I'm just really careful. At the beginning of every month, I'm like, here we are. These are my posts for the month. There's a little bit of leeway, obviously. I post them into my planner. I schedule them. And every now and then I'll tweak. If I'm like, oh, actually, I'm going to change that or I'm going to change that. Then I do. But otherwise, they're out. That's it. I'm aiming. I'm going, you know. Um, and I just try to be really confident straight away. So this just makes me really put my time and energy in, a, in the right place from the, from the get-go. So when I'm doing my content planning... I'm not just like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, I'll just write this for now. And then, no, no, I'm like, okay, this is it, kind of, you know, I'm going to just make the very best of this and publish it all as in like schedule it all. And that's it. And yes, yeah, sometimes I change. And yes, yeah, sometimes some posts are maybe not as good as others. I mean, I think that happens whether you're planning them or not. And whatever software you're using, I think it just happens. Some of my posts are a bit more boring, maybe others are a bit more, you know, but that's also the game. That's the name of the game. So you go and you do all of that. But I think my commitment to keeping things simple and keeping things affordable so I can maximize profit in my business is what makes me better at it than if I, for, for my personal personality, like for my personality in particular, sorry, it just makes me better at what I do because I'm just being more careful. I, I, I thrive on, I don't know, doing things a certain way. Like, I just don't like wasting time, wasting money, wasting resources. I just don't like it. Um, I really try to do as much as I can on my own. And then when I really can, or I'm really ready to outsource, then I outsource. Um, whereas that's not the same for everyone else. Like, some people want to focus strictly on one aspect of their business and they hire straight away. That's perfectly fair, right? They have their reasons for that being the most profitable decision for them. For me, it's not the most profitable decision. Not right now. And it hasn't been yet um, for the kind of business that I'm in. But that's not to say that it might change or that's not to say, you know, but I genuinely believe for myself that doing as much as I can on my own, solving my own problems first, understanding what's going on just makes me a better employer and it makes me better at what I do with or without employees and it just makes my business run more smoothly because I understand what's happening in it and I'm just happier like that, like it just makes more sense to me. So that's why I find having a healthy money story even in my business and even the way that I hire has been really beneficial to me because then I understand every investment that I make in my business from you know paying a few dollars a month or not for for a content planner to hiring a team of experts or you know one expert whatever just being mindful of every step and just remembering where I began where I am now and where I want to go and what steps are necessary in all of those stages and making sure that I take my time and that I'm patient, you know, because I'm, yeah, to an extent I can just fork out a bunch of money and hire for this big blitz attack of a launch or whatever. Um, but then what, but then what, is that what I want? Is that what I'm going to be happy with in the long run? Um, like these are all decisions that you need to make for yourself. Obviously I can't help you with that if I don't know your story, of course, obviously if, if we actually work on this together, I could help you. But for me, it's always just been understanding what I'm doing, 
what the risk is if I take a certain action or whatever, and what I'm okay with in the long run, or what I'm okay with after, what the worst case scenario is versus where I am now. And if I'm willing to go there, especially if now I know, and what I'll do if the worst thing happens, or how I can make sure that the best thing happens, right? Like, I just like to calculate things in that way. Um, and that's just, that also comes from the fact that I have a certain money story where I do the same thing for myself, even on a personal level. When I was in uni and I had like, pff, my God, I was like very, very tight financially for a long time. I, I just had to be very careful. I had to budget everything. I had to be extremely careful. I spent the same amount of gro- uh, the same amount on groceries every week. I was always just very careful. And I just never lost that. I never lost that idea of wanting to provide for myself and wanting to make sure that I never lacked anything and wanting to make sure that I always had my back, that I was I would always be okay. So I hustled and I worked really, really hard. And I just wanted to make sure I never had to fear anything and that I could always be okay. Not because I grew up with any lack. I mean, I grew up very comfortably. My parents, you know, did very well, do very well. And, and you know, all of us were six siblings. All of us were very happy growing up. And, you know, whatever, it's fine. We were taken care of. But I just always wanted to do things on my own. And from a very young age, I just, I took it upon myself to do things on my own. I bought myself my first car in cash. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Good times. And it was like a 1998 Subaru Legacy and I got it for myself in cash. It was 20. No, it was like 18 years old when I got it. 20 when I finally got rid of it and got a brand new car. Um, But, you know, I did that myself. I moved out when I was 20, did that on my own. Uh, well, actually, my best friend and I were roommates for a couple of months and then she moved out and then I was on my own and um, I was going to school full time and I was working full time. Uh, I was working four jobs initially and then I went down to two until I finally started my own business whilst doing this other job. And that's basically how I got myself through uni and how I got myself through all my travels and and, you know, got myself to England in the end and uh and there you have it, you know, that's the story. But I, I've known the the hustle that I went through or the, the things that I've gone through to make sure that I never have to lack. I've also gone through the stress of when I, I was really lacking. Um, luckily, I moved out with a savings account. So when certain things happen, I did have some cushion, but I didn't want to rely on the cushion because it goes so, so fast. And I just didn't want to go through that. I worked really hard to get the savings account that I had had. So I just wanted to make sure I worked really hard and just provided for myself, essentially. And that's how I got four jobs. And uh, that was my 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 first year of uni, and uh, yeah, and I just never wanted to feel this that that sense of lack anymore. I never wanted to feel that stress. I would feel that would keep me up at night, or oh, I just I hated it, and I just promised myself I would never feel like that again, or that I would just feel like that as little as possible, or that I, now that I would just kick ass honestly and provide for myself and build a life where I felt comfortable and happy. And again, it's not about how much money you make. Although, obviously, making the more money you make, the the better, I guess, you know. But it's really in the money that you save and it's in how you spend the money. That's what I've learned. I mean, there were times where I was making more money, less money, you know. But the best that I've ever, the, the best service I've ever done for myself, the things that served me the most were the times and the were the times when I was just smart about the way I spent my money. And I was just focused on saving. I think that when you can focus on saving more than anything, that's when you... That's when you're a good place, not to the point that you're kind of greedy and attached to it. And then you start stressing in a completely different way. But when you do it in such a way that you're providing for yourself, creating a cushion, creating a safety net, creating a kind of empire, if you will, whatever you want to call it, that is smart money. But at the same time, it also takes investment. It takes investment in different things so that I can keep growing myself and keep growing in my business and as an individual and keep growing the empire, quote unquote, whatever. Right. So. I think those are the most important things and obviously it's always up and down and there have been other stressful moments since uni and there, I mean, obviously, and there will be more, I'm sure. And, um, but I always try to tell myself at the end of the day, the best thing I can do for myself is always, always, always be prepared for a rainy day. Always, always be smart about the money that I spend and always, always know that money comes and goes and it's an exchange of energy and it comes and goes and just to not stay attached to it and not stay fixated on it, but rather see it as a fluid thing and just know and rest assured that I will always provide for myself and that there will always be an exchange and a, and a, and a flow of abundance out there if I'm willing to receive it and I'm willing to do my part in it. So that's what I've learned through all of that. Okay, well... 
I feel like that was very jam-packed, though I feel like they kind of all are, let's be honest. Um, I hope that this was helpful for you guys. I hope that this resonated with you. Um, I know that right now it's a tricky time what with COVID and all of that. So I feel like finances have just been all over the place for a lot of people. Um, and, and just life in general has been kind of all over the place. I get that. Um, so maybe this was exactly what you needed to hear at this point in time with this pandemic. Maybe it's just going to help you now. Um, now that things are maybe starting to get back to normal, depending where you are. So yeah, and and if nothing else, because frankly, the, the meaning, the, the inspiration behind this was not COVID. It was really just to talk about money mindset. So I hope that this was helpful for you in any other context as well. If you do want to work on this one-on-one or you want to work on this with me, um, please let me know reach out to me. We can work privately together about this. This is also something we talk about in the Yoga Business Balance membership if you're talking more about building an abundant business. Um, So if that interests you as well, then also reach out to me and I will give you all the information so that you can join our membership. That's all I have for you guys today. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, be kind, be happy. (laughs) Namaste.